Hi there, welcome back. We are looking at the Midas Touch playlist on YouTube. Um, let's see, something's gonna begin soon. Child prepares to face indictment. Oh, that's waiting. Shit. Training takes. Trump caught desperately trying to avoid imminent trials. One hour ago. Nice try, trader. <laughs> I like the thumbnail. Yeah. To try to get the ultimate delay, get himself over into campaign season, and try to avoid these trials, uh, these civil trials against him, while he continues to fight off all the criminal possible indictments coming out of New York. New York is a hotbed and a hot uh, plate for Donald Trump, and he's trying to, you know, juggle a, a chainsaw, a feather, and a bowling ball all at the same time. What's going on now? He's trying to get the trial involving the new york attorney general which is in state court in front of judge and hold on a second here i need to write a comment damn needs to be all caps He should have. civil fraud against him, all of his children, and all of his organizational uh, components for $250 million civil fraud case. That case was scheduled by the judge two months ago. He just declared hell or high water, his words, trial is going to be in October. Okay, you got that case scheduled for October. You've got another case in the federal court system brought by E. Jean Carroll, former reporter, journalist, who claimed she was civilly raped, sexually assaulted by Donald Trump in the dressing room of a department store in New York in 95 or 96, and that he defamed her both while president and after president. That case is going to trial in four weeks. Nah. Tenth in front of Judge Kaplan. Nah. case you haven't heard too much about is another Southern District of New York federal case in front of Judge Schofield. And that <coughs> involves a multi-level marketing scheme, pyramid <laughs> scheme, which was uh, led by Donald Trump and his children uh -huh. involving uh, phone cards and telecommunications. It was all BS. And there's a civil fraud case class action brought in front of Judge Schofield related to that. 
Now, Judge oh, Schofield already no. moved her trial at the request of Donald Trump into 2024 and, and out of know? the slot of the end of 2023 because Donald Trump said, I've already got another case in 2023 towards the end, which is the uh, October civil fraud case. So, Judge, can't you move me into 2024? But follow these chess pieces. He wants to move as many cases as he can into 2024. So when 2024 rolls around and his campaign, uh, hopefully to to uh, to disaster, to nowhere, is in full swing, he can use that as an excuse to continue to delay. But there's lawyers like Robbie Kaplan, who represents E. Jean Carroll, who is watching all of these chess pieces and reporting it to the various judges so that Donald Trump doesn't get the benefit of more delay. So you've got the case involving the class action telephone communication pyramid scheme moved to 2024. Hold on to that. You've got the current case that's going to trial in four weeks, in four weeks in front of Lewis Kaplan, federal judge, for E. Jean Carroll's case. That's not moving at all. The last part that Donald Trump would like to move is the case that's been brought by the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, for $250 million and effectively the death penalty, corporate death penalty, against Donald Trump, his children, and all of their uh, business entities to put them out of business once and for all in New York. That case is scheduled before Judge Angoron for um, October. But now we have a new filing by Alina Haba and four other law firms who now claim at the very last minute, just two weeks before the end of discovery related to depositions, which are questions and answers under oath, that they don't have enough time. Now, they've had um, more than seven months since the filing of the case. They've always known that this case was going to be fast-tracked. They've got four law firms and Donald Trump with his assets involved. And so... We've already been in front of Judge Angoron on numerous occasions, including in November, when he set the trial for April, knowing all of these things. Now, Donald Trump, because he wants to try to get all these things over to 2024 and argue for another delay, he's saying, I got 11 million pages of documents to look at. I need 30 more depositions, and I haven't taken any depositions. And uh, this would be a violation of my due process and fair play, Judge, if you force me to go to trial in October when I'm not ready. That just got filed by Alina Haba, the lawyer for Donald Trump and all the others. But the department, uh, the New York Attorney General, has fired back and said, these are all self-inflicted wounds. You've had the case, Mr. Trump and Ms. Haba and all the other lawyers involved, for over seven months. You've had my complete file for over three months. Eighty-five percent of the documents that you're complaining about are your own documents. You've had the production. These are your accountant records from Mazers and Company. These are your tax returns that you had full access to. So the New York Attorney General is being very... Um, a defiant here, or firing back at Donald Trump, I should say, and telling Judge Angoron, this is not something that you should even possibly consider. we got to go to trial. As you said, hell or high water, there is continuing fraud. And even though there is an independent financial monitor in place, which happened several months ago, which is keeping an eye on all the financial transactions of the company, 
you know, the, the New York Attorney General is claiming there's ongoing fraud by the by the Trump Organization. So she wants this trial as quickly as possible. Now, where is the game playing coming in as Judge Angoron considers this new motion to modify his pre-hearing conference order and reset depositions and discovery in the case and push the case out six months? Six months would push the case out to April of 2024. We're now in full campaign swing. Now we're on top of the trial that I told you about in front of Judge Schofield, which is also in 2024. So again, this is the gambit. Watch. This is the three-card money. Watch the shell game. Trump is trying to get everything over to, to um, 2024, playing judges off each other who don't really talk to each other, especially when one is in a state court system and two are in the federal system. So Robbie Kaplan, lawyer for E. Jean Carroll, in a very unusual approach, but one that I, I applaud, sent a letter to both Judge Schofield and Judge Angoron, two judges she is not in front of, right? She's in front of Judge Kaplan for her case and said, and we will put this letter up on the board, told the judges you're being played, that as Donald Trump gets closer and in in further into his campaign, he is going to come back to you and say 2024 doesn't work for him either because he's a current candidate for office. Don't be played. Don't move your cases. And Angoron is right now considering a request, which obviously Robbie Kaplan knew about, by Donald Trump's lawyers in that case, to whether to move the civil fraud hearing or trial out of October to something in 2024. And here's Robbie Kaplan coming along saying, Judge, I know I'm not in front of you. I'm not involved with these cases, but I am involved with other cases. And be forewarned, you're getting played. Now, we're going to have to see what Judge Angoron does about this. He's always run a pretty tight ship. And uh, I'm not sure he's going to take too kindly to the letter by Robbie Kaplan, but I think it was certainly worth the effort. Judge Schofield, on the other hand, is taking it seriously, and she's given the parties until the middle of March, just another week, to respond to uh, Robbie Kaplan's letter. And the question on the board is, are you playing me? When a federal judge in a black robe looks at, looks at parties and asks if she's being played, that's a bad place to be for Donald Trump and his lawyers. And it's going to draw a line in the sand right now. Hopefully Judge Schofield's going to say, I moved your trial once because you told me you had the other trial for the civil fraud case that you had a handle in um, in October. But if, that, if, if then the lawyers there are asking to have that case moved to 2024 and you played me, I got a problem and you may be going to trial faster than you want in the case involving the multi-level marketing pyramid scheme. So you got Judge Schofield looking at this issue, you got Judge Angoron looking at this issue, and you got Judge Kaplan looking at this issue, all put on the table by E. Jean Carroll's lawyer. So let's look at a prediction here. I don't think Judge Angoron is going to find compelling the argument raised at the very last minute you know, seven months into the discovery process in this case, that Trump needs more time for the civil fraud defense. As a judge I know well, passed away once said very eloquently, and she posted it on the door of her chambers before you entered, your bad planning is not my emergency. And that's what we have here. We've got Donald Trump pussyfooting around, dragging his feet with his lawyers, not spending the money to go hire appropriate 
vendors and consultants and document review companies to review the documents and there's plenty of them out there you can hire companies that will throw dozens and dozens and dozens of document reviewers onto a, a, a set of data and sort it out for you and put it on a database and put it on a spreadsheet so that you can use it for your for your depositions and your discovery purposes it looks like donald trump's not done any of that and that's what the new york attorney general is pointing out to um to the judge which is why are we being penalized you told everybody in november this case is going to trial in october you reminded everybody in february that this case is going to trial in october so why are we here a month later being asked for a six-month delay. I don't think Judge Angoron is going to give her a six-month delay. He's going to have to consider whether he is undermining due process and the right to a fair trial, even though it's civil, in making his decision. And if they don't like that uh, order, they'll take it up on appeal. But he's been taken up on appeal half a dozen times, and he's won every time in front of Donald Trump. So I don't think that scares him. I think the, the uh, First Department Appellate Division in New York thinks very highly of Judge Ngoron, and I think they're going to think very highly of his decision, whatever it's going to be. We'll follow it on our midweek edition of Legal AF, the top-rated political and legal podcast on the Midas Touch Network. We do two shows, one on Wednesday and one on Saturday, and about every day I do a hot take just like this one at the intersection of law and politics to bring you up to speed. If you like it, follow me at, at MSPopuck on all places you get social media including Twitter, and follow the show, Legal AF, on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Michael Popak reporting. Our blue wall stopped the red wave, and election deniers got denied election. That's why we're celebrating what the new democracy prevails to. We've got lots of work to do, but we should all be proud that when democracy was tested, democracy prevailed. Here's some of the um, comments. We need normalcy back. John Barnes, it's not that. This has to stop. No other person in America could get away with this. Judges have to step up and get them in court. I pray to God that these judges do the right thing. This country has suffered long enough. I said, damn the Justice Department. 202-514-2000. Everybody call. The DOJ should have thrown this motherfucking traitor in prison two years ago. It's got, like, uh, stars. doesn't say motherfucking, but that's what it said. In prison two years ago, and he must be disqualified under 14th Amendment. Reminder, the day we no longer hear <clears throat> Trump's name or hear his voice, never see Trump Jr., Eric, and Ivanka again will be one of the best days of our life. It's hard to believe anyone even changed. Charged with this many felonies can run for any office. This has to stop. Okay. You would think a perfectly innocent person would want these witch hunt trials over with. Oh, wait. Just the fact he has all these charges against him should automatically disqualify him to run for any government office. Plus the fact that he's a fucking traitor and should be in prison already. Uh. Yes. I should like all these comments. When a party says October doesn't work for me because of the other trial, why doesn't the judge say how about July? I did nothing wrong. It's a witch hunt, but I plead the fifth. Huh. Anyone wishing to be a candidate for any government position should not be permitted to do so while in any court system until they are free from investigations, indictments, etc. Get this traitor to jail ASAP. How is anyone allowed to commit crimes faster than their lawyers can defend them? <laughs> yeah, excellent question. 
Trump is a goldfish out of his tank, desperately flapping about on the ground, surrounded by big cats standing over him, waiting to pounce. And I'm loving every minute of the spoiled cheesels. Discomfort, either by prison or heart attack. Yeah, put him in fucking prison, and then he'll have a heart attack. Like fucking Milosevic. And then we will be free of him. He's fucking dead. Six feet under. Put him through a little more stress. He needs a little more stress. Okay, Republicans and Fox. Oh, let's see what uh, other trending takes. I already listened to that one. Trump's lawyer crumbles on live TV attempting to defend client. Republicans and Fox caught in most dangerous move yet. Senior citizens who have not registered for their $3,500 food allowance only have 24 more hours before they miss out. If you know, folks, Republicans never miss the opportunity to be traitors. Never. Take a, take a look at this video from Fox. David Sachs, uh, who's well-respected general partner of Kraft Ventures, uh, he's uh, on a podcast and he's saying he thinks more could, uh, the more banks could go down this road. Mm. And then Wall Street Journal writes saying in their editorial that he is a uh, panic spreader. Yeah. So to... Mm-hmm. to Take it easy today and don't let this ripple through the economy. The other fear is if you get rid of the regional banks, all the regional banks say, okay, if they fail, I fail. And if we could become a country run by four major banks, we all lose. I understand not ensuing panic, but I think it's time to be honest with the American people at the, at the same time. We need to go to our banks and take our money out. Well, I mean, I, I think if you're above that $250,000 mark, uh, that's not, that's not insured, I think there should be some caution right there. And I think for the people that are saying, okay, these are just the big tech companies. What about the little small business owners owners like uh, Etsy, like this one lady that Nina was talking about. Look, I, I'm a mom and pop store. I'm just selling my merchandise on there. True indeed, this is in Etsy, but it's a marketplace of other small business owners. I think that's the real problem. It shows you how it trickles down. Even if she doesn't bank with this bank, how it's exactly affecting right. her. Uh, they were heavily into equity and all these pride days around the world. Where would you focus on regulation and risk? And I think that there's an imbalance there. And it seems like a lot of these uh, venture companies, venture capital companies, were all concentrated. Well, when it was uh, good. Startups in these tech centers. That's exactly right, Brian. That's right, folks. These people are trying to cause a run on banks. They're trying to literally destroy our banking system because they think it benefits them politically. And and Fox, don't kid yourself. Fox is, is the propaganda wing of the Republican Party. The Republicans absolutely want to cause as much chaos as possible because they think it helps them at the polls. You know, folks, the Biden administration has been acting with a death hand. They have been incredibly good in what's been happening in the banking industry. And if you don't know what's going on, back in 2018, Trump, and we told you, we would be fixing the horrible Trump presidency and the fallout from it for, for, for decades. And this is what we were talking about. In 2018, Trump repealed regulation on small to mid-sized banks. Dodd-Frank was put in place after the 2008 collapse to uh, uh, it's it's legislation to regulate banks to make sure that what happened in 2008 can't happen again. There used to be a cutoff for extra regulation at at, at 50 billion dollars in assets. 
Okay? When, when banks reach a certain size, cross that threshold, they were regulated tighter. And that's why our big banks that have, that, you know, that are measured in the trillions, you know, I mean, you've got $1.4 trillion, I think, in, in Bank of America, or, or pardon me, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, these banks are tightly regulated. They have to keep X amount, you know, a certain amount of, of liquidity to to the amount of loans that they put out there. They're, they've got all kinds of reporting that they have to do. And Trump killed that for these medium-sized banks. They took the $50 billion threshold and made it $250 billion. That's a big bank, folks. That is a big bank. Before they triggered... The, the tighter regulations that big banks fall under. It used to be 50, they moved it to 250, and that directly caused the collapse of SVB this weekend. The FDIC took over SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, and they tried to sell it. it, it they just didn't have enough liquid to operate, just to keep it short. They didn't have enough liquid to operate. So the FDIC took it over before it would collapse. Market panic ensued before the FDIC took it over and there was a run on that bank and it killed them. It went from being a manageable situation where they could have brought in another bank to buy it that had more liquid assets and the bank could have remained whole. No, no. The vulture capitalists killed that bank. They intentionally created a run. Now you have the Republicans trying to do that systemically. You've got Fox screaming, everybody, run to your bank, and, and it's just not true. It's just not true. Knowing that the market would react to the FDIC's uh, actions that they took with SVB, and if you don't know, what they did was they took the assets of SVB, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, and they sold them to make sure that the, the, all the depositors, even the uninsured depositors, got all their money back out of the bank, which is what you want. I mean, that, that's a good day. That's a good day. The depositors did not lose their money. Now, the investors that gambled on the management, they lost. Janet Yellen knew this would cause market instability with people panicking that have investments in these size of banks. Because it was the investors, the stockholders, that, that really took a bath. So, she had prepared this morning uh, trade halts for 30 banks that were needing help. I mean, th these are not these are not banks that are doomed to die. Okay, these banks have solid assets. These banks can be managed out of this mess. But she knew the reaction would be to leave investments in those banks and go into bonds because interest rates on bonds are, are pretty high right now. And she was right. That's what they tried to do. So she, it's true that market, market halts on 30 banks for stability reasons. Quiet confidence, just getting it done. Just getting it done. What do the right wingers do? Look at this idiot tweet right here. The president held a, a, phone, a phone meeting where he's rallying the troops. He's saying, look, we need to get everybody on deck. Everybody's gotta be, keep moving. You know, we did a great job this weekend with SVB. We've gotta keep it rolling. We've gotta keep moving. Let's get with the media to ensure everything's okay. Ensure the people that everything's okay. You, you remember Teddy Roosevelt in the bully pulpit? All right, they plugged it in. Perfect, we'll start the car. I need a tap to begin to scan. 
Now, my $2,000 scan tool said it was a catalytic converter. Let's see what this little device does for us. Wow, incredible. Same reading. Same reading. So I've been going to the same mechanic for a while now, and the last time I took the car in, my husband swore. Yeah, presidents do that. They come out, they assure the American people. The Republicans are trying to spin this again to try to foment chaos, to try to foment fear. They're trying to spin this as they've got a gotcha on Biden. He's going to use the media. He's going to use the media. That's what the bully pulpit is, folks. You, you, the president stands out there and says, hey, we're going to be okay. We made sure the depositors were okay in this bank. The depositors will be okay in these banks. It's going to be okay. And most of these banks, we're going to we're going to lift the trade hold on because already the market's turning around on these. I mean, there was there was panic this morning. The investors were like, "Oh God, we got to get out of these banks." But as the White House assures them that these banks will be okay, most of these banks are going to be just fine. You're going to get. Janet Yellen is going to work to get these banks put back whole again. Not not you and me, not you and me, not the taxpayers. That didn't happen in SVB either. They sold the assets off in SVB, and SVB paid back their depositors. Not you and me. This was not a taxpayer bailout. She is getting ahead. She's getting ahead, folks. She's doing what you want. Quiet strong competence stay ahead of the problem that's what she's doing that's what the president biden's telling you on the opposite end of it you've got republicans screaming like gutshot hogs i mean it makes me so mad i want to beat the brakes off a bear you know they never miss an opportunity to bet against america because they think it gives them advantage because have you ever heard a republican voter they're always like oh the sky is falling and it's terrible and democrats ruin everything and da, 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 da. this is playing right into that 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 victimhood that they always have no folks it is a bright beautiful day we have competent leadership that's doing the right thing to make sure your deposits are fine your bank is okay you know, the big banks are great. The ones that we kept the regulation on, they're, they're fantastic. Our banking system is great because the government is good. Because government regulation is good. You know, we saw it with, with, with trains. They, re, they rolled back the regulations that we tried to put on them back. Just modest regulations that came out of the Obama administration. He, he was constantly compromising with Republicans and, and getting us milked down, watered down uh, regulations that were not what was needed. It was what he could get. You know? And, and Republicans are trying to kill those. Just modest regulations. I love Joe. Joe is calling, coming out this morning, and he's saying, no, we are going to tighten down regulations. We are going to tighten down regulations on these banks. We're going we're to make sure the American people are safe. That's what you get when you vote for Democrats. Quiet, strong confidence. Love you, folks. This is Old Texas Paul out. Hit that damn subscribe button. Have a good day.
Our blue wall stopped the red wave and election deniers got denied election. That's why we're celebrating with the new Democracy Prevails team. We've got lots of work to do, but we should all be proud that when democracy was tested, democracy prevailed. You've earned this. Don't wait. Get yours right now at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. Texas call, by the way. Don't buy solar panels. Serious. There she is. Why we're saying that? If you're thinking about buying solar panels, don't. The U.S. government will lift. I'm asking Midas Touch to put me on their list of associated podcasts. Um, because I do commentary as well. I'm award-winning political scientist. UC Berkeley, Oxford University. Anyway. I just made some like, um, mm, that was pretty good. Beef, bourguignon, and rice. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm John Lovett. Ew. Okay, full episodes. Um, are they live yet? Waiting. Fuck. Do 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 do. Regal AF. Indictments of, we've covered this, indictments against Donald Trump are imminent and more makes desperate file it diapered on as House GOP antics. Trump is getting crushed by the pressure of Jack. I've covered all of these. Live Trump and MAGA desperate and deranged. Michael Cohen waiting. Okay. Mea culpa. Ten days ago, holy shit. Two days ago. Okay, what was that with Gabe Sanchez? MAGA event crashes and burns with tiny crowds. The worst people on earth assembled for CPAC 2023, and uh, I gotta tell you, it was the most deranged, pathetic, and low-energy event in front of a tiny crowd that I've ever seen. <laughs> I sat through the whole thing so you don't have to, and now... I think I might need therapy. I'm Gabe Sanchez, and welcome to another episode of What Was That? This year's CPAC took place in Maryland at... The beautiful Gaylord. Considering how much Republicans hate the LGBTQ community, I'm surprised they had CPAC at a place with the word gay in the name, though it also does have Lord in the name. Or maybe it makes perfect sense, because CPAC's chairman, Matt Schlapp, is a male crotch-grabbing creep. Strategist says that in the weeks before the election, Schlapp groped and fondled his groin during a car ride back from two area bars in Atlanta. Either way, may I present to you Schlapp Pack 2023, the conference that never asked for consent to exist. And according to Matt Schlapp, Jim Jordan... Might just be the most powerful man in Washington, D.C. Oh, that's nice. A sexual assaulter complimenting a guy who covers up sexual assaults. All right, without further ado, let's get into the clown show that was CPAC 2023. We have seen the weaponization of the federal government. This started under Barack Hussein mm -hmm. Obama. Oh, boy, right out of the gate. Okay, just know that when Republicans resort to Obama's full name, it means they don't actually have any real talking points. Like Scott Perry pushing the dumb culture war over wokeism, gas stoves, and thinking the COVID-19 vaccine is an experimental potion in your arm. Which is funny because Republicans like Scott Perry kept trying to convince people that Trump's Operation Warp Speed was... Awesome, 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 awesome. Now, if you thought Scott Perry was dumb, 
Just listen to Nikki Haley. Wokeness is a virus more dangerous than any pandemic can sound. And then listen to what Representative Harriet Hageman and Kate Kamick said. We need to abolish the ATF, Kyler. Yes, we do. And Candace Owens. Well, we have the Department of Education, which, by the way, should be abolished. And Matt Gates. Defund and get rid of, abolish the FBI, CDC, ATF. DOJ, every last one of them, if they do not come to heal. The Republican Party's only solution is to abolish everything that they don't like, whether it's regulations or any agencies that are investigating them. Anyway, Senator John Kennedy made an appearance at CPAC to give a very weird speech. Now, who's responsible? I say, who's responsible for this unwarranted attack on my person? Oops, my bad. Got Kennedy mixed up with Foghorn Leghorn. Americans do not deserve to be governed by deeply weird, nauseously woke people who hate George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Dr. Zeus, and Mr. Potato Head. And all I can say is, at least Kennedy let us know his thoughts on kale. By the way, to me, kale tastes like I'd rather be fat. And you better believe Senator Tommy Tuberville shared his thoughts on the left as well. Uh, all this woke... Uh, Transgender athletes, uh, CRT, 1619, uh, we don't teach reading, writing, and arithmetic anymore. He also believes the left wants one gender. They're coming after family. <clears throat> they want to divide family. They don't want any gender. They want one gender. This makes no sense whatsoever, especially when Republicans like Laura Trump constantly say the opposite. Now these woke teachers want them to memorize 50 different genders and sexualities. You got pronouns. It's too much for kids to handle. No child should be learning about anything sexual from a teacher, period. You know who could actually benefit from sex ed? Failed actor Michael Knowles. There can be no middle way in dealing with transgenderism. It is all or nothing. If transgenderism is true, if men really can become women, then it's true for everybody of all ages. <laughs> if transgenderism is false, as it is, yeah. If men really can't become women, as they cannot, then it's false for everybody, too. And if it's false, then we should not indulge it, especially since that indulgence requires taking away the rights and customs of so many people. If it is false, then for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. Wait, what was that? Then for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. This smiling and smirking bigot tried to use his time on stage to normalize the eradication of trans people. Sorry, I meant transgenderism. Trans people are not taking the rights and customs of anyone. They're just trying to exist. But right-wing extremists like Michael Knowles keep trying to erase them from society. Honestly, it's sad to hear people cheer during Knowles' transphobic tirade. It's absolutely disgusting, and one step toward what the Nazis did in 1930s Germany. I gotta say, for a group that talks about getting the government out of their lives, Republicans sure love to use the government to go into other people's lives. Now, another person who could also benefit from basic sex education is two-time adulterer Marjorie Taylor Greene. There are boys that are having their penises turned inside out. These are kids. What in the transphobic fear-mongering is she lying about? 
Doctors are not performing gender-affirming surgeries on minors. The left has told us something that should put fear in the heart of every parent, and not just parents, every single person. They've said they're coming for our children. And just like the left is not coming for your gas stoves or your guns, no one is coming for your kids. I mean, most of us have enough responsibilities as it is. You really think we want to raise someone else's kids on top of that? But if they always claim they want to save the children, why is Trump's former acting director of Vice, Thomas Homan, saying this? And I'm sick and tired of hearing about the family separation. And I'm still being sued over that, so come give me. I don't give a shit. Oh, right. It's because they only care about white children. Or at least the ones who haven't been born yet. And according to Voldemort, I mean, uh, Senator Rick Scott, our country is being destroyed, but not by him or the people in the CPAC audience. It's the President of the United States who's destroying our country. It's the U.S. Senate that is destroying our country. It's the news media. It's the Democrat Party, academia, Hollywood, Wall Street, and many of our big corporations that are absolutely destroying the country we love. Quick side note, did you know Representative Ronnie Jackson moonlights as an auctioneer at CPAC? I'll, I'll be real quick and turn it over to Dr. Malone. I just want to say, like, the, you know, the, the web of misinformation and the deceit that they've been sowing for a long time, it's, it's unraveling right now before our eyes. I do agree with you that one of the people that are, or one of the entities that's probably going to get us out of this in the long run is going to be the press. Sold to the MAGA cultists in the back of the room. And you know what else I didn't know? Ben Carson was at CPAC. Then again, neither did he. They tried to play him off for several minutes. Find a World War II veteran and ask them what was going through their head and D-Day when they are on the shores of Normandy and all of those people were being shot and they stepped over those dead bodies. And Mike Lindell went so long during his speech that they were sending him messages on the screens in front of the stage. Seriously. Anyway, Senator Ted Cruz was also at CPAC and Hopefully this time he didn't tell his lame kiss my ass pronoun joke for the 500th time. And I will say this, if you want to know the facts on what's going on, on this issue and everything else, I want to encourage everyone here, take out your cell phone. Oh, maybe this is a new joke. Text the word verdict mm. to 24005. Okay. What you will get is a link to subscribe to this podcast. Of course this grifter tried to trick people into getting more subscribers. And you get it three days a week. And, and this is, we've had now on Verdict over 50 million downloads. We had 700,000 unique viewers last month. We are beating CNN every week of the year. No, he's not. See, this is what happens when you ban books and math. Republicans just make up numbers that they think are big. CNN is a news network that has shows every hour, every single day from morning till night. Not to mention, they have over 40 podcasts. The fact is, Ted Cruz will never beat CNN. He will always lose that fight. Just like Kimberly Guilfoyle trying to convince a small group of people that they win under Trump. Under Donald Trump, it was a time for success. A vision for a better future. A whole lot of hope and a whole heck of a lot of winning. Are you tired of winning? No, we want Trump back, let's be honest. Nevertheless, she had a message for President Biden. All of us in this room have one message to Joe Biden. It is time to put America first. <laughs> the pathetic applause and cheers sounds like something from a kid's TV show. Here, I'll show you. CPAC, kids show. But honestly, I think Kimberly's early work is much better. Leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream. The best is yet to come. Don Jr. followed his fiance Kimberly's act with a presentation that was interesting, to say the least. So a little surprise for all of you. 
check under your seats. If there happens to be a gold chocolate bar underneath there, that's a VIP. Oh, I'm not joking. That's a VIP ticket to my father's reception tomorrow at CPAC. I can't tell if Don Jr. is trying to be Oprah or Willy Wonka. Don Jr.'s speech only got weirder, from no one laughing at his insults about Senator John Fetterman to claiming the government would drone him. Raise your hand if you don't have a phone. keep my phone away because I know like I'm on every FBI list imaginable so I just gotta keep it away because like they're gonna drone me one day like I can say with 100% certainty that no one cares enough about Don Jr. to do that and speaking of people that no one cares about loser Carrie Lake claimed that some powerful people back east sent someone to her home to bribe her to get out of politics and when I said no to this person they didn't take no for an answer they said well what will it take what is your price? How do we keep you out? Name your price. This really happened this week. And then, after an outfit change, she went back on stage to give another speech. I'm not sure if Carrie Lake's camera filter is affecting her vision, but this is what she thinks of Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon is somewhere in the crowd. Where's that patriot? There he is. I love that man. He's a modern-day George Washington. I call him the patriotic stud muffin. Oh, God, I'm going to be sick. If she says that about Steve Bannon, I don't even want to know what she calls Trump when she stays at Mar-a-Lago. Speaking of Trump, Representative Lauren Boebert gave an ironic speech about him at CPAC. We no longer need a resident in the White House. We need a president who puts America first and not his business dealings with corrupt Bobert didn't even realize that she just made the case for why no one should vote for Trump. You know, because he had a Chinese bank account while he was president, and then he took money from the Saudis. It's impossible to take MAGA seriously, and Trump is no different. Before Trump went on stage, he was asked about this moment from Mike Pompeo's speech. We can't become the left, following celebrity leaders with their own brand of identity politics. Those with fragile egos who refuse to acknowledge reality. This is a tough world. And this is how Trump responded. No, I don't think he was talking about me. I don't consider myself a celebrity leader. I consider myself <laughs> a leader of the country, and, but I don't consider myself a celebrity leader. I didn't do this for celebrity. Except he does, and his cult loves him. Remember the golden statue at CPAC 2021? And during Trump's speech, he made sure to mention the great patriots who are unfairly in prison right now. Great, great patriots saying prayers every night, playing our national anthem every day, and they're sitting in a jail nearby, rotting away, and being treated so unfairly like nobody's probably ever been treated in this country before, except maybe me. I think Trump's actually referring to the January 6th prison choir that made a song with him. And to the republic for which it stands. <laughs> creepy song has given me nightmares. We don't have free press. We don't have free anything. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, 
I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Warrior? Trump is a draft-dodging coward who used bone spurs to avoid going to war. Also, retribution sounds like something a dictator seeking revenge would say. And for a guy who constantly complains about other people talking about his affair with Stormy Daniels, he never shuts up about it. And the Department of Injustice to bring charges against me for now ancient, no affair story of Stormy Horseface Daniels. No attraction. No affair, I call it no affair. Honestly, I have no idea what he's talking about in this part of his speech. We will support baby no boomers. And we will support baby bonuses for a new baby boom. How does that sound? That bonuses. sounds good. I want a baby boom. I want a baby boom. Oh, you men are so lucky out there. You're so lucky. You are so lucky, men. Baby bonus, baby boomers, what? Trump also went on some weird tangent about Silence of the Lambs. To use a strong couple of words, insane asylum, insane asylum, that's where... Anybody see Silence of the Lamb? That's where they come from. Who knows? Maybe Trump was projecting his own personal experience. Because he definitely has to be insane to suggest this next part. I will save your economy, I will save your retirement accounts, and I will save your jobs. We're the greatest job history of any president ever. <laughs> Trump's revisionist tales pretty much sums up his nearly two-hour speech. Guys, and even though I won the second election, okay, I won it by the worst song You know, economy. when they say, you when they say Biden won, the smart, the smart people know that, didn't they? And just know that what I've shown you isn't even everything from the three days and 30 plus hours of CPAC footage that I went through. And trust me when I say that there are plenty more crazy, deranged, and idiotic moments from Republicans at CPAC 2023. But hopefully, this gives you an idea of what their blueprint is until the 2024 election. Just a bunch of bigotry, lies, and fake outrage. So while Republicans are whining about gas stoves and wokeism, Democrats are actually focused on helping the American people and strengthening our democracy. And after watching CPAC 2023, I think we all can agree that the Republican Party is... Deeply weird. Well, thanks so much for watching another episode of What Was That? If you'd like to get access to exclusive bonus content on more news and current events, make sure to join my Patreon at whatwasthatshow.com. That's what was that. Right. <clears throat> Let's see what other people say in here. Give it a thumbs up, just uh okay. Um by the way I've kind of um uh, migrated kind of somewhat to Spotify. Seeing if that will <clears throat> boost my my um show or not we'll see anyway let's go back to 
uh, trending ticks. Mm. Political beatdown. People are waiting for that. Wilming Trump indictment four days ago. Um, more must-watch podcasts. Okay, the weekends. Uh, Holly in trouble. Majority fifty-four. Oh, this looks good. Career over. What if you can get your dental work done for Carson Cinema? Listen closely. When you're looking at all these, like, you know, Fox News uh, videos of patches in the border, they make it look like it's a war zone down there. And let me tell you, when I go and talk <laughs> They're like, to you, here I am at the border, and it's chaos. And you're like, did you want your latte? <laughs> politics, politics, we like politics, go. We like politics, go. Hello, and welcome to the Politics Girl podcast. Politics, host, politics, we like politics, go. Today's is part of a new series called Road to 24, which, as we lead up to the 2024 elections, will deal with issues, organizations, and candidates who are working to push our country in the direction of democracy and a government that works for all of us, and away from the encroaching threat of white Christian nationalism and the rising tide of authoritarianism. This series will also give you action items and a ways that you can help to fight, keep our country on a progressive path and away from the dark, regressive road many would force us to go down. With that in mind, today's guest is Congressman Ruben Gallego, the Democrat running to replace the newly independent Kirsten Sinema in the U.S. Senate. With such a slim majority, losing this state is not an option. And Democrats are defending twice as many Senate seats as Republicans in 2024. So protecting our slim majority hinges on Arizona. I'm delivering Ruben on early because politics decided if she's running again yet. We like politics, politics. She already has about $8 million in funds available, but what she chooses to do will ultimately come down politics, to how politics, the climb feels. Politics, so politics, Really we strong. like politics, Senator politics, had politics. many of the Democrats in Arizona before she even left the party by doing things like voting down politics, $15 politics. minimum wage, protecting the carried income politics, tax people, go. gives tax breaks we to We like politics, 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 go. ...to block a bill that would have lowered prescription drug prices and blocking voting rights legislation. But there are more registered independents... Politics, we like politics, girl. Hello, and welcome to the Hello. Politics Girl podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Today's pod is part of a new series called Road to 24, which, as we lead up to the 2024 elections, will deal with issues, organizations, and candidates who are working to push our country in the direction of democracy and a government that works for all of us, and away from the encroaching threat of white Christian nationalism and the rising tide of authoritarianism. This series will also give you action items and a ways that you can help to fight, keep our country on a progressive path and away from the dark, regressive road many would force us to go down. With that in mind, today's guest is Congressman Ruben Gallego, the Democrat running to replace the newly independent Kirsten Sinema in the U.S. Senate. With such a slim majority, losing this state is not an option. And Democrats are defending twice as many Senate seats as Republicans in 2024. So protecting our slim majority hinges on Arizona. 
I'm deliberately having Ruben on early because Kirsten Cinema hasn't publicly decided if she's running again yet. Her allies expect her to run, and she already has about eight million dollars in funds available. But what she chooses to do will ultimately come down to how uphill the climb feels. So we want to make sure it feels really steep. Cinema had already alienated many of the Democrats in Arizona before she even left the party by doing things like voting down the $15 minimum wage, yeah, protecting the currency. carried income tax loophole that gives tax breaks to hedge fund managers and private equity executives, negotiating with pharmaceutical companies to block a bill that would have lowered prescription drug prices, and blocking voting rights legislation. But there what are more cut. registered independents than Democrats in Arizona. John McCain's state is still considered conservative, despite the Democrats recently winning the Senate, governor, lieutenant governor, and the attorney general in the last election. Good job, Arizona. What Arizona isn't is extremist. And with primaries, that is what's going to come out of the Republican Party. The, the way politics are today, Republicans will most likely end Back. up nominating someone like defeated gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake or defeated Senate candidate Blake Masters to run for the Senate in 24, which leaves Arizona with either a three-way race between Mega, Cinema, and Gallego, or Gallego does so well in early numbers and support that Cinema decides running against him just isn't worth it. This is why I'm having the congressman on now. I want people to support him so enthusiastically that Cinema decides it's not in her best interest to even get in the yeah, race. Take the money the and clearest run, path to a Democratic victory is if she doesn't run. And no, since we need to. this seat to hold the Senate and we need a major turnout in Arizona to win the presidency, the more people who know about Gallego now, the better. So without further ado, please welcome my guest, U.S. Marine Corps combat veteran, congressman for Arizona's 3rd District, and Democratic Good candidate job. for Senator of Arizona. Ruben Gallego. Because Welcome, I'm Ruben. For thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you came. I'm, I'm having you on like a year Mr. and a half Bruno's before your election because I think it is essential that you build up as much momentum as possible going into this race. I always say to people that we shouldn't think of politics as a game because politics is way more important than that and it affects almost Absolutely. every part of our lives. But in this case, I feel like sports works well as a metaphor because we can talk about what it'll take to win, what your team needs in order to bring home a victory. Right. So tell me why you're on the field. What inspired you to run for Senate and why is it important that we kind of build up a war chest and a great team right now? Well, look, I, I didn't want to run for Senate. I was very happy being a member of Congress and have been for five terms. Um, and the reason I didn't think about it is because the person I sent to Congress, someone that I you know, volunteered for, I raised money for, I vouched for with, with uh, my volunteers and with other voters, Kirsten Sinema was supposed to be doing the job. Uh, and she went there and she did not do the job. She actually went there and did quite the opposite. She basically abandoned the principles and values of Arizona. Instead of working for working class people, she worked for Wall Street uh, and hedge fund managers. Instead of you know, trying to stop the price gouging when it comes to pharmaceuticals, especially for seniors, she went and actually worked for the pharmaceuticals for them to keep their high uh, ability up to, to price gouges and on and on. There's just so many instances where when we needed her to do the right things, when we needed her maybe to do a tough call, Given the opportunity to be a profile in courage, she always chose to you know, shirk that. Uh, and I don't want to continue being in Congress if there's not going to be fundamental changes that actually help people's life. I didn't come to Congress just to check in every day and, and vote on post offices. I want to make sure people have an opportunity in this country to live the American dream. And so I've decided that I need to change who's in leadership to really you know, have an opportunity to change this country for the better. That's the thing, right? At the end of the day, you said that it's not that 
she didn't stay with the party. It's not even about the Democrats. It's that she didn't stay with Arizona. You know, you said that she would always run more conservative than most people would have liked, but you thought that when push came to shove, she was going to have people's backs. But, you know, no one sent her there to negotiate for pharmaceutical companies. No one sent her there to negotiate for hedge fund managers and private equity. And when she makes those decisions, she isn't even talking to her constituents about them or why she wants to do them because she doesn't have town halls. She's like breaking the social construct, which I think is why so many people are so disappointed, right? And now we're at a point where recently she's just become the chief democratic opponent to the PRO Act, right? Which is, I think you're on the bill for that. You're a co-sponsor of that act, right? It's there to help workers. Yeah, it's to help workers to collectively bargain and organize. So she's basically against unions on top of it all, right? And so this is this is such an unfortunate situation. Like you said, you know, you're very happy being a congressman. You're very happy representing uh, Arizona's third. But at the end of the day, we need a senator from Arizona that wants to represent the values of our nation. And we got to do that now. And, we, and working class people. I mean, again, you know, people, you don't need senators to be fighting for Wall Street. They have lots of power. They have lots of lobbyists. Uh, you don't need senators to be de facto lobbyists with pharmaceutical companies, they have a lot of paid lobbyists on Capitol Hill. You know, we were we are sent here to represent the people that need help, that need representation, need someone to believe in them. Uh, and she has consistently failed and you're right. She doesn't she feels she doesn't have to answer to voters. She doesn't have town halls. She doesn't have unscripted moments. She doesn't do interviews with press uh, unless the the questions are arranged ahead of time. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, this job is all about accountability. Uh, I'm accountable to my my constituents. And and uh, if they're not happy with me, they have the opportunity to vote me out. Well, time's up for cinema, and we're going to uh, move in that direction. We're going to go for out. Yeah, and I know you were actually planning to run even before yeah. she decided to become an independent. I know you were already yeah. considering primarying her. And, you know, the thing about the Democrats is we don't have a particularly strong record with long-term planning. The Republicans have been very great at focusing on state legislatures and the courts. And now they have multiple strategies to get themselves on all the school boards, right? They they know how to win in a lot of ways. They know how to win because they don't have the most votes. They've had to be much sneakier and much trickier about it. But they're forward-thinking. And Democrats have had a tendency to kind of roll into town sort of six months before a federal election and try and rebuild the wheel every time. Right. And it feels like we keep starting from scratch, trying to start up the machine again. And what we need is the cart already rolling and filled with ideas. So stopping it at this point feels impossible, which I think is why you're starting so early with this, because there is no reason we can't win Arizona. But as far as I'm concerned, there's also no reason we can't win other Senate seats, other congressional seats. There's no reason we can't flip the House, keep the Senate and retain the presidency. But we need to understand that it's going to take strategy and work and long term planning to do that properly and to do that properly. We have to start, even though the election seems so far away, we have to start today because until we reverse Citizens United and get big money out of politics or we publicly fund elections and shorten our election seasons like they do in the UK, this is what needs to be done to win, right? We need to build an infrastructure today that will allow us to hold power tomorrow. And I always think of Emily's list when we talk like this because for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure Ruben knows, but um, there was never an Emily of Emily's hey, 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 hey. list. Emily is an acronym, right? Yeah. Emily is an acronym for early money is like yeast. So as the founder said, you get early money in and it makes the dough rise. And when you have 
money holding up the whole foundation, that's when you can start knocking on doors early. People have heard your name. It just moves along. And I think that's one of the reasons why you want to do this so early, right? You want people on your team out there talking about it because there's a possibility that if you run now and you get enough in your coffers now, cinema doesn't even run. There's a possibility of that, right? There's, there's, There's a lot of possibilities. The most important possibility, number one, is you know, and this is more from my military background, is always anticipate the, the worst, right? So let's say she does stay in. Well, if she does stay in, we're still going to need the money to resource uh, our uh, efforts. What's up, uh, one of the things I think we can do my that other campaigns can't do is we can actually go and speak to younger Latino voters in Arizona. We could talk to, and, and if you want to turn out the Latino vote in Arizona, you can't just say, I'm going to try. You have to focus on young voters because they're a huge, huge uh, block of, of those unaffiliated voters. Voters 